Amen. Somebody forgot to uh, spring forward this morning. Amen. Somebody forgot to reset that clock. That's what they're going to say anyway, but mine reset itself. Amen. The day and age of technology. Can't use that excuse no more. Well, regardless of all that, first of all, I just wanted to say how excited I am for tonight's first annual Light of the World revival here at Lucerne Baptist Church that will kick off tonight. And I don't know about y'all, but I can only speak for myself, and I must confess that me personally, over the past several months, have been in need of a spiritual turnaround in myself. Amen? If you're anything like me, then you know what it's like to allow the cares of this world to creep in and distract you from the call of God that's on your life. Or maybe I'm the only one here in the room that can say that. Allowing priorities to shift in the wrong direction by worrying more about how I'm going to accomplish A, B, or C, all while just giving scraps to Almighty God, just giving Him enough just to get by. But I thank God that He is so faithful. I thank Him that He honors His Word, just like we, we sang just a moment ago, that we can stand faithfully on the promises of God, because when He says something, I know He's going to do it. And when He says that if you will draw nigh to God, then He is faithful to draw nigh right back to you. Can anybody in this house agree with me here this morning that God is faithful? See, I've been in preparation for the past couple of weeks seeking revival for my own soul. And let me tell somebody here right now that you don't have to wait for tonight to receive revival in your spirit. You don't have to wait till Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. You don't have to wait for an altar call or an invitation because God says simply if you will draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. You can have revival in your spirit even now because God has already been breathing the breath of life back into my thirsty spirit. And giving me that insatiable word and hunger, hunger and thirst for his word. So if somebody here has enough courage to admit here with me that you need revival, then I challenge you to open up your mouth wherever it is that you are and you ask him for it. Because I'm telling you, he's faithful to give it to you. Amen. The Bible says in James chapter 4 verses 2 and 3, ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lusts. Let me tell you something here, church. I'm here to tell somebody that the revival that your soul and that your spirit thirsts for and hungers for has nothing to do with your own lusts and desires and everything to do with him and what he's called you to. Forget about your plans and your motives and trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto your own understanding. But in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. See, I told you last week that you didn't want to miss this message here this morning. And I guess some people thought I was kidding. Amen. But this is a continuation of what we started last week. And I don't know, man, but I'm just on fire for what the Lord has has got to share with us this morning about Lord, increase my faith. Exclamation point, Bobby. Hallelujah. Part two, homie, I like that. Yes, I see what you did there. Why do we even need to increase our faith? Because this Christian walk is just too hard in our own strength. 
In order for us to live a life pleasing to God, in order for us to be able to even walk faithfully in the calling that God has called us to, we must constantly seek to increase our faith. See, church, God has a standard for his people to abide by. Otherwise, I wonder why he has written these. I don't know how many words are in the Bible, but there's a bunch. Amen. I don't know why he wrote all that if he didn't have some type of standard for us to abide by. And when we hear the standards that he has laying bare before us, then we are left just as the disciples were in this place of wondering how can we ever measure up to this standard. And the only conclusion that I can come up with is just as they did. Lord, increase my faith. I can't walk this way without it, Lord. I can't even think this way without it. Lord, increase my faith. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. If you want your faith to increase in church, you've got to spend time in the word of God. This book is not like the words of men that in some cases have the ability to encourage us or instruct us in certain things and entertain us. This book is the word of almighty God. And all scripture is given by inspiration of God or it is literally God breathed. It is the spirit of God. The Bible says that my word is truth and my word is spirit. So when the Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 that all scripture is given by inspiration, that means it is the the living breath of God being breathed out for us to hear. And it is profitable for four things, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And there's a reason why it's profitable for those four things in the believer's life. Do you know what that reason is? That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works, complete and lacking nothing. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So how can I have a relationship with somebody that I cannot see? It's through His Word. Lord, increase my faith. You cannot separate him from his word, church. Help me when I read your word, Lord, to have ears to hear so that when I read it, I may hear it and receive it and obey it. If you guys can turn back in your Bible to Luke 17, we're going to get back to reading these verses 1 through 10 that we started last week. Luke 17, 1 through 10. Then said he unto the disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. Somebody say, but whoa. (laughs) If you wasn't here last week, we did a 30-minute dissertation on the word woe. You didn't want to, you shouldn't have missed it. But woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him. And if he repent, forgive him. 
And if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, thou shalt forgive him. And the apostle said unto the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might... Father, we come to you right now, Lord, and I'm just thanking you for the breath of life that you've given us here this day. For this is the day that you have made, God, and we will rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we thank you for your word, which is literally your breath, God being breathed out for all of us to receive and hear right now in Jesus' name. Father, I pray that you would quicken us in our spirits, God, by your word. Father, we love you, we praise you, we lift you up in this place and ask that you would give us ears to hear and eyes to see and an understanding heart. Your word says that if any of us lack wisdom, let us ask of God, who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not. And let us ask in faith, Lord, nothing wavering, We love you, we praise you, we lift you up, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week we got through verses 1 through 5 and we came up with the idea that Jesus' requirements for modeling good behavior and forgiveness, in other words, Christian moral character, the standard of God, this modeling for good behavior and forgiveness were just too extreme for his disciples to achieve. However, I believe they truly wanted to strive to this level of spiritual revelation, which is exactly why they said, Lord, increase our faith. There is just no way we can ever get to this level without it. And Jesus responds in a very famous passage. If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye might say unto this sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root And be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. See, remember last week how we talked about Jesus' use of an exaggerated metaphor in reference to tying a millstone around someone's neck and casting them into the sea. We all know if Jesus wants to take us out, if Almighty God wants to take us out, he doesn't have to go through all the trouble of going and getting a millstone, tying it around someone's neck, and throwing them into the sea. He could snap his fingers, and in one word, we could be gone from this earth forever. Amen? So what Jesus was doing here was he was giving us an exaggerated metaphor. He said this fate would be better than the fate that awaits those who lead his people astray. Put yourself in that shoes. Y'all know like there's back in the day, the old mobsters, they used to have a saying when they was ready to get rid of somebody, put their concrete shoes on them and throw them in in the lake, in the river, in the ocean. Think about that. You have this, Ms. Vivian was showing me the picture last week of a millstone, and I guarantee that thing's got to weigh quite a bit, 60, 70, 80 pounds at least. Imagine trying to swim with that block of concrete tied around your neck in the middle of the ocean. Amen? I can barely swim as it is. I'm being honest with you. And I was a lifeguard. That's bad, ain't it? Yeah, y'all send your kids over. I'll take care of them. Hallelujah. He said this fate would be better than the fate that awaits those who lead his people astray. 
And in the case when Jesus said, if a brother trespass against you seven times in one day, but turns around seven times that same day and says, I repent, please forgive me, I'm sorry, let's make amends, then guess what? We're obligated by commandment of Jesus Christ to forgive that person. But that's, that's some serious stuff. I said last week, it's hard enough to forgive somebody once in a day. For one thing, imagine two or three things. It's like, man, by number three, I'm done with this person. But Jesus said, if he trespass against you seven times in one day, and seven times ask you to forgive him, Lord, increase my faith because it ain't in me. That kind of patience, that kind of love, that kind of forgiveness is not naturally within this old guy. You know why? Because, Lord, I want that to be. Your word says that we are ambassadors for the name of Christ. Lord, let me be a... That means we represent Him in our daily affairs. We are spokesmen and spokeswomen for for the kingdom of God's sake. Lord, let me be found a faithful ambassador, but it's going to take an increase in my faith. Because this is just too hard for me. See, this use of rhetoric was not so much literal, what Jesus was saying, as it was to convey how serious he is about Christian moral character. About being that representation, that ambassador for Christ. But let me say this, I do also believe it can be taken literal. I truly believe it would be a better fate for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and cast into the sea than be found on judgment day and when the Father says, depart from me, for I never knew you. If that were the exchange for me to have that big stone tied around my neck, trying to swim in the middle of the ocean, that would be a better fate than depart from me, for I never knew you. So I do believe it can be taken literally. I really do. Now also, I, don't, I also believe that what Jesus meant by seven times in a day was not the ceiling. That was not the limit. In fact, he says it somewhere else, if they're coming against you and trespassing against you, how many times, Lord, are we supposed to forgive them? Seventy times. Then he said, hold on, no, wait, 70 times 7. Infinite. If you got time, you hanging out with somebody enough for them to trespass against you 70 times in one day, I don't see how they could do it any more than that. You follow what I'm saying? So that's not, that number 7 is not a ceiling number. It's that use of exaggerated metaphor. Because what Jesus is doing He's painting a picture with his words of his nature and character that he expects for us to exhibit. Does that make sense? So moving forward, that was last week in a nutshell, but here we have another instance of Jesus. Remember, I started this message off last week and I said, these 10 verses, although seemingly could be unrelated, 
and can be break, broken down into four different sections, I still see that they are definitely interwoven and connected. So here we have another instance of Jesus using this same type of literary style, this extreme and exaggerated, borderline absurd metaphor, to paint a picture of his nature and character. He says in the next verse, verse 6, If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. Go ahead and pull uh, slide number one up for me, will you? Y'all see that? Barely. Y'all barely see that, I bet you. If ye had faith as a grain of mustard seed. What Jesus was basically saying is this. If you only knew the power that is available to the believer who places his faith in me. If you knew the power of your faith when you place that faith even so much as a grain of mustard seed. Church, it doesn't take a whole lot of faith. Sometimes it feels like, if you're anything like me, sometimes I feel like I have to go to some great length to impress God and make Him happy with me. But the truth is, it's much simpler than that. You see, we overcomplicate things because our flesh tricks us into thinking that we have to do all this and all that and all this great stuff to be accepted. That is true in the natural just as well as it's true in the supernatural or the spiritual realm. We have to have a nice car or nice clothes or a nice house or we have to talk a certain way or walk a certain way. Then people will respect me and want to hear what I have to say. And I'm going to give you an example of that. When a brother comes in and he talks about, oh, I've been, you know, hanging out with, you know, Brian, Governor Brian Kemp all day. And, you know, I could be over here. We could be friends and talking and whatever. Now, all of a sudden, you heard that. You've got to go hear what this man's got to say. You can't wait to hear the stories this guy's going to be talking about. We feel like we have to go to all these great lengths to be accepted by our peers and honestly and truthfully, if you're anything like me, by our God. I have to lay on my face without moving in prayer for seven hours a day and read the Bible 365 times in one year. Then God will be happy and will accept me. I trow not. You see what I did there? I suppose not. I think not. It's as simple as this, church. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your might. Then love your neighbor as you love yourself. What did Jesus say directly after those two sentences? All the law and prophets hang on Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. From that tiny little seed that you saw up there just a moment ago, pull up that next one, will you? That tiny little seed of faith. Now look at that. 
Is that not beautiful? Is that not a beautiful tree? Church, the same thing is true concerning your faith in the Word of God. There is nothing more powerful at work than the Word of God in the believer's life. The book of Hebrews says it like this, all of the things that you know were created by Him, and check this out, all things are upheld by the Word of His power. There are scientists all over the world and specifically in one place in a place called CERN, Switzerland right now. Any of y'all ever heard of CERN, Switzerland? CERN, Switzerland is a city in Switzerland and underground there is a large hadron collider. Anybody ever heard of, know what that is or heard about what that is? A large hadron collider is basically this giant machine where they take atom particles and other elements of some sort and they put these particles within the hadron collider what does the word collide mean and they take those those elements and they speed them up as fast as they can get them to go and boom they collide them together and do you know what the point of this research is They are trying to discover what is the glue that holds the universe together. They are trying to recreate literally the Big Bang. Hence the collision of these particles because what they believe is that that nothing, first of all, nothing was created out of nothing. But then all of a sudden there was something. And that something started hanging out with each other and doing its own thing until eventually they became bam and collided together and created all of this that you know. The human eye is more complicated than any amount of technology that we have available to us on the earth. Plants can't live without humans and humans can't live without plants. One cell, church, one cell, and you got millions and millions of them. One cell is more complicated than the most vast computer that we have anywhere on the earth. What they don't understand is they're trying to discover the glue that holds the universe together and recreate this big bang when the Bible, the Word of God, is already telling us what that glue is and He says in the book of Hebrews that He upholds all things by the Word of His power. You see, man elevates himself and thinks he knows more than God. This is just a side note, but just an interesting piece of information. All things in the universe that we know of, everything in this room is made up of tiny little particles called what? Atoms and even small, and, and matter, right? Everything that exists is made up of matter. In the events of these colliding these particles together, 
they have discovered something they never knew existed until some years back. You know what it's called? Anti-matter. What does the word anti, the prefix anti mean? Not, without, no. So if everything in this universe, everything that we know is made up of matter, what in the world is anti-matter? It ain't matter. What's the matter with that junk? You know what I'm saying? And do you know that one little tiny particle of this stuff is the equivalent to three bombs that was dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki? One of the most volatile substances known to man. Antimatter. That's crazy, huh? And you know, it's interesting. I, I, I shut up with this, but I, I'm sorry. I get excited on this type of stuff. That one of, so when they, in operation of this, there is an overall theme that they're trying to do, you know, with the Big Bang and recreate to open up a door or a portal into another dimension. I know that sounds crazy, but that's literally what they're doing. Remember what Jesus said, and I told you last week. I am the door. Y'all have all the knowledge and information available to you, scribes, lawyers, Pharisees, but you don't have the key to the door. Remember that? What does the key do? It unlocks the door. So they're playing around with some dangerous stuff, if you want my opinion of the matter. <laughs> you see what I did there? Anyway, moving along, maybe you found that interesting, maybe you didn't. But all I can tell you is this, the word, all things are upheld by the word of his power. That's, an, that's incredible to me. In fact, in this same parable that we're discussing here in Luke 17, is also found in Matthew chapter 17. There came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. For he is lunatic and sore vexed, for oftentimes he falleth into the fire and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation. I love how he says this here, because this is how he probably talks about me too. He's like, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? What is he saying? He's like, man, by this time, it's like, have y'all not been listening to a word that I've been saying? Move out of the way. Let me show you how it's done. Bring him hither to me. And Jesus rebuked the devil and departed out of him. And the child was cured from that very hour. So here we have the word of God, Jesus Christ, speaking to that devil and casting him out. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? You know what Jesus said to them? Because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place. Y'all thought rednecks created that word. Southern folk. 
Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove. Y'all catch this. And nothing shall be impossible unto you. I like the sound of that. See, church, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that's available to the believer right here and right now in Jesus' name. When placed correctly, Jesus says of your faith in Him that nothing shall be impossible unto you. If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might say unto this sycamine tree, Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea, and it should obey you. So for those of you who don't know about the sycamine tree, you'll pull that one up for me, Bobby. I want you to take a look at this. This tree has a root system like you wouldn't believe. Look at them roots. That's just what you see on the surface. In fact, its roots are so intrusive that even if you were to cut this tree off flush with the ground, it most likely still wouldn't die. It can withstand serious drought because it is tapped into hidden water sources hidden deep within the belly of the earth. Another interesting thing that I have, I never knew this before until I began to study for this message. Another interesting thing about this sycamine tree is its nickname. The casket tree. Said the casket tree. Believe it or not, this was the tree that was used in the ancient Near East, in the in the Israel where Israel is, to build caskets out of it because of its tough, durable wood that resists decay. So what am I trying to say to you here this morning? Or even more importantly, what was Jesus saying to his disciples then and saying to us here and now? His ways may be higher than our ways and his thoughts may be higher than our thoughts. And his standard may seem to be unattainable in our finite thinking. But we have to understand that Jesus doesn't speak just to hear Himself speak. Amen? He doesn't teach just to make us feel low and dumb and stupid like we don't know anything. Amen? When He teaches, He's trying to show us something that's going to benefit us in our lives and in the kingdom of God. He says these things for a reason, because whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house and it fell not, for it was founded upon the rock, the Word of God, Jesus Christ. So when Jesus warned His disciples about leading others astray and gave, it, and gave them the requirements for forgiving others, He was saying, sin runs deep and is intrusive like the roots of this sycamore tree. And if left unchecked, you may as well go ahead and build your own casket with it. 
because the wages of sin is death. But here's the beautiful thing about it, church, because although the wages of sin might be death, the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Somebody ought to say glory. All it takes is placing your faith in Jesus Christ, the Word of God, and you can say to that sin, that deception, that innate desire to lead others into mischief, that misery loves company, that unforgiveness, that root of bitterness, that sycamine tree, be thou plucked up by the root. Because if you try and cut it up on the surface, it'll just grow back. But you can say to all these things, be thou plucked up by the root and be thou planted in the sea and it should obey you because nothing shall be impossible for those that believe. See, church, the sycamine tree produced a fig that was very bitter to eat. Kind of like sin, right? Sin is pleasurable, but only for A season. When that season runs out, it's the most bitter thing you've ever tasted. Do you know how this tree is pollinated? By wasps. This tree is pollinated by wasps. It's a hard word to say, I just realized. Wasps. The pollination process was only initiated when a wasp stung its stinger right into the heart of the fruit. Thus the tree and its fruit had to be stung in order to reproduce. 1 Corinthians 15, 55, and 56 says, O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. And the strength of sin is the law. That basically means that the law showed you you really deserve death and not the gift of God, which is eternal life. Because every one of us are guilty of breaking the law and commandment of God. The sting of death is sin. The wasp would then climb its way into the tiny opening of that little fig, tearing its wings and antennas in the process. Meaning what? That it would spend the rest of its short little days on the earth stuck in that bitter fruit. Help us, Jesus. Help us not get caught for the rest of our lives in that bitter place producing nothing but bitter fruit. Y'all remember what Jesus said? You can tell a tree By its fruit. A good tree doth not produce evil fruit. And likewise, an evil tree doth not produce good fruit. Church, I want to tell you something here this morning. Just like it doesn't take a lot of faith to move that mountain. And if you're like me, yeah, I said mountain that mountain of sin from your life. Imagine, uh, I just thought of this. Not new, I'm just saying, I just thought of it right now. Say it. 
Imagine the root of that sycamine tree we just saw. But imagine, on the other hand, the root of a mountain. Y'all know Stone Mountain? Y'all follow what I'm saying? I ain't even got to say it. But for those of you who aren't from, ain't from around here, Stone Mountain is only 1 or 2% above ground. The rest of its roots, if you will, runs for like three counties surrounding this area. Go over to Lithonia and dig you a basement, somebody. You better bring... Man, I wish I had that dynamite up in here now. Pastor Dave brought me a thing of hot sauce. It looks like a, that, you know, the uh, Acme dynamite in the big bundle. I just took it out to the truck, though, man. Satan got me. Would have been a good one. But you better bring your dynamite over to Lithonia if you're going to dig you a basement, y'all. Because the roots of that mountain run deep within the belly of the earth. And Jesus says, if thou had faith, just the grain of a mustard seed, thou can say to that mountain, be thou removed and cast into the sea, and it should obey you. It doesn't take a lot of faith to move that mountain of sin from your life. But it also doesn't take a lot of sin to move it right back in place again. Just like that wasp will climb into that tiny hole through the skin of that fig, sin too will climb through any tiny opening that you have in your life. That's why Paul said, don't be ignorant of, the, of Satan's devices. A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. It don't Take a lot. I used to say this to guys that were in Teen Challenge, and I'll say it to you now. When God begins to do a work in your life, you have to protect it. How valuable is the work of God in the believer's life? I'll tell you, it for me, extremely valuable. Because what I had before Christ was a miserable, hopeless, wretched existence. Now I have hope in Jesus Christ. How valuable He is to me because I know who He is in my life. I know who he is, period, to the best of my finite thinking. It means something to me. Valuable. So when God does that work in your life, let me explain something to you. Oh, buddy, Satan's mad. It's like I told you last week. That example that pastor gave to the kids, students a couple weeks ago. Satan, guard with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your might. First, love him with all your heart. Because Satan is going to attack you at your core, in your heart. 
so that unbelief, that doubt, all that kind of stuff. I'm telling you, church, you got to protect what God is doing in your life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, that when you speak, you're not just speaking a whole bunch of foolishness, Lord. You're, you're really, for those who want and have ears to hear, Lord, man, you want to bless us. Lord, you want to show us things and teach us things that are beyond our wildest imagination. Father, we, we just come to you now, Lord. We're asking that you would just do in us what we cannot do in and of ourselves. Father, we're getting ready to move into this season over the next few days, even starting tonight, asking you for revival. We've been talking about it for a couple of months now and of, of what that looks like. Father, I don't know about anybody else, but I can say for myself here in this house this morning, I'm thirsty. I'm hungry. Lord, I'm asking that you would bring revival in my soul, in my spirit. For those of you who are here under the sound of my voice right now, Maybe you're in that place too. I'm telling you, you don't have to have a whole great deal of super spiritual, external looking, religious sounding faith for God to move in your life. He's ready to do it right now. The Bible says that He has given unto us, each and every one, the measure of faith. What does that mean? The measure of faith that it takes to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, increase our faith. We know that that happens through our relationship with the Word because, God, You are the Word of God. And You uphold all things by the Word of Your power. So if anybody here is like me, and they say, you know what? Yeah, I'm ready, and I'm willing, and I'm needing revival in my spirit. Lord, speak to them right now in Jesus' name. Make that your prayer. Lord, increase my faith. Show me, God. Lead me. Guide me. And do in me what I can't do in and of myself. Love you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. If anybody in here, as they lead us through this song, maybe you say, you know what? I've definitely felt that prayer. I definitely feel that prayer. I definitely need that prayer. And you want to come up here and pray it? I'll be right here as they lead us in this song. In Jesus' name, the altar is open.
time today so I got to make up for that real quick give you at least a few extra minutes you can be seated if you want if not we're going to be wrapping it up anyway in just a second but uh I really and truly believe